Hey guys, welcome to episode 7 of the Focus On podcast. In this week's episode, I sat down with uh, Dean Gracie and Matt McMahon, who are both coaches at Focus Gym, and we talked about all things powerlifting, especially how powerlifters can train at home um, in the current lockdown. So we talk about exercise selection, um, how to overload those exercises, and then we also go in a bit into nutrition, and finally, how you should start back at the gym once the gym's reopened, so you're not jumping straight into it. Um, have a listen, and I hope you enjoy. Hey guys, I'm sitting down with uh, Matt and here, who are both coaches in Focus, and today we're just going to talk a wee bit about what powerlifters can be doing um, during the lockdown period here to stay stay in shape. Um, just for anyone who doesn't know Matt and Dean already, I'm just going to pass over to them and let them do the intro. So we'll start off with yourself, Matty. Tell the people a bit about yourself. Yeah, so basically, like Paul said, I'm a coach at Focus. I've been a coach there since 2016 and competed in powerlifting for the last probably two and a half, three years now. Before that, a bit of bodybuilding for a couple of years, competed in UK BFF. And then before that, I played professional football in Scotland. So I've sort of got a varied range of a background when it comes to sport and trying different things, really. Over to you, then, Dean. Yeah, so unlike Matty, I wasn't a professional footballer. I was just left back in the changing room most of the time. Like, But uh, I started personal training, my own coaching career, probably 2017. Uh, I'm probably I'm the newest coach to Focus, I would say, um, or the second newest. I only joined last January, so I've been there now for approaching a year and a half. Uh, I moved over to Focus when I started tech. My whole strength training and powerlifting a lot more serious. I wanted to get more specific in that field when it comes to coaching them in terms of the clients, results, and then obviously my own training as well. Um, so, yeah, I've been coaching there for about a year and ever since I've just been taking the powerlifting um, a lot more specifically and getting more out of that. Yeah, I suppose then, really, um, what we're going to talk about in the podcast, powerlifting is such a specific sport. There's three lifts, squat, bench, and deadlift, and essentially it's getting under a heavy bar and doing your lifts. Um, obviously, people don't have access to all that equipment at the minute, um, and it's easy to concentrate on what we can't do. People are missing the equipment. They're missing doing their normal lifting. Um, so we're just going to go through here and essentially go through what people can do and what they should focus on. Um, so just sort of starting, just throw ideas in. What can people be concentrating on instead of worrying about what they can't do? What should they be focusing on? Well, to begin with, like we sort of talked about there, what I did with my current clients, powerlifting, or even like general health and stuff like that, the main thing is powerlifting is so specific. You need to have your weights, squat, bench, deadlift. You need the equipment. We obviously don't have that at the moment, so it's shifting your focus towards something that we can control. And at the moment, there's a lot of control when it comes to body composition and trying to focus on improving your level of conditioning when it comes to your body weight. So then when partisan competitions come up again towards the end of the year, hopefully, that a lot of our clients or just members who do compete are easier to get into the weight category that they're trying to aim towards. So it's almost like shifting your focus from trying to get as strong as possible at the moment towards maybe getting a little bit leaner, trying to maintain whatever strength you have through whatever you're doing with your workouts. But a big focus that I've shifted towards a lot of my partners is trying to get them leaner and increasing their relative body strength. Yeah, uh, definitely. And again, a massive part of that as well with my own athletes at the moment is probably being realistic. As you said, like a lot of people, it's easy, it's easy to dwell up on the things you can't do. With powerlifting, it's a specific sport. Like Matt said, if you don't have a heavy squat, uh, if you don't have the heavy weight, a bar, a rack, 
you know you can't power lift to its full to its full potential anyway. So at the moment, it's more being realistic straight off the back with with yourself again. Everyone's individual. You know, I have some clients there that have went out of the way to get equipment, and the likes of them people there can't push on. But everyone's individual. No part is the exact same. So for those that don't have equipment, it's being realistic for yourself and trying to just get some some form of outcome laid out on the paper for after this whole COVID nineteen. Um, so it's not just well and it's focusing on things you can't focus on like Matt says body composition is a big thing and we're going to touch on this podcast a lot of things you can do to or you can actually include into your program so while body composition might be a focus there's also a lot of things you can do to try and maintain your strength skill and stuff like that there to the best of your ability and set yourself up for uh, a smooth return to the barbell yeah so obviously uh, body composition is, as you've said there Matt and then obviously it's a good chance something part of there's tend to maybe neglect a wee bit more because we love lifting heavy would be um, work capacity as well and then also working on, on weaknesses and um, what would you say would be the main weaknesses people can spend this time addressing yeah like you said maybe either about the work capacity aspect so when a lot of clients of mine are just general part of there's going to higher rep phases whether it be 8 10 12 reps a lot of their almost progress can be limited at that phase for what they're able to then lift later down the line because they don't have the aerobic endurance to keep the consistent higher reps throughout a set. So this is a time where you can really focus on, like I said, your weaknesses where a lot of partners have, which is their endurance almost, when it comes to lifting and the repetitions that they perform. So a lot of the workouts that I'm doing with clients at the moment, is a lot of higher reps. And the main overloading aspect to it is either sets increase or the repetitions within a set then increases because we don't have access, like we talked about, to the weight. So there is still variables that we can increase in order to create an adaptation for the clients who are still lifting. And also it means that it's still challenging them because part of it, like us, we need sort of challenges in order to work towards something. So it's like saying them, right, look, you did this in regards to this amount of reps, this workout, we're going to aim for this amount of reps now. And that's your progressive overload as opposed to now the weight. Yeah, definitely. And then obviously the big thing that we touched on as well, like through this period, one of the massive things that we will talk a lot more in depth on here too is obviously building muscle and hypertrophy. That is, when we get into it, that is going to be very individual to who can build muscle. and Not necessarily who can't, but at the rate of how fast you can build it with the equipment you have available to you. You know, like a straight up beginner might be able to build, or someone who's in the first six months with minimal equipment might be able to build, or not might, will be able to build muscle at a faster rate, a larger amount in a certain space of time than someone who's been training, say, maybe three, four or five years. So it's completely individual. But hypertrophy is something that you can definitely focus on. And whether or not it's actually hypertrophy of your main muscles, other things that you can focus on as well, which is specific to powerlifting, as we touched on, is building up strength and stability in a lot of the key places that a lot of people would find weak, such as their, you know, their knee stability, hip stability, their groins, their adductors, you know, stuff like that there that can definitely contribute to when they get back under the bar, it's more not fixed, but a lot stronger and able to cope with a lot more uh, load. Right, so maybe before we go into then actually talking specifically about how we can progress and overload um, exercises in our program, um, we'll talk a wee bit about exercise selection. Uh, let's just assume anyone listening to this is working with the bare minimum, like even just body weight. Um, what exercises should they definitely be programming in? Obviously, exercise selections individual and athlete specific but assuming that there's we're body weight only and if they're part of there's are reasonably good moving in terms of squat hip hinge and pressing what exercises should we fire in for them 
So there's a few things you could work on their weaknesses and bring them up in order to bring the overall lifting up. So this is a time period where a lot of single leg work can be done because, you know, a lot of part of there is when they're bilateral with their movements, like two feet in the floor in a squat deadlift. And, you know, sometimes there's a little bit of an imbalance between both sides. So a lot of my lifters at the moment, they're doing a lot of single leg work, whether it be lunges, Bulgarian split squats, single leg RDLs, glute bridges, trying to make sure they're bringing up imbalances in this time period in order then to when they're obviously coming back to the gym. There is that imbalance slightly less compared to when they actually went into lockdown. So it's using exercises that you can still overload that, you know, you don't need a lot of equipment like Bulgarian split squats with increasing of reps or tempo, time under tension is hard enough in my opinion compared to a back squat, you know, 200 kg. If you do the Bulgarian split squats right, you'll still get that adaptation from your muscle as long as there's overloading over a period of time and you don't need a lot of weight for it either. Yeah. And then um, the other thing, as you said, is obviously trying to keep in, you know, the main movements, especially for a part up there, like your push, your pull, your hinge, you know, and it's, I'm not talking just, you know, low bar squat and your hinge as a conventional deadlift. There's a lot of variations that you can do to keep these single things. So such as like Matt said, again, a lot of stuff comes down to single leg work. Uh, mainly due to the fact that you're probably going to get a lot more out of it in terms of intensity because you don't have the right amount of weights to load an exercise. So like single leg uh, glute bridges, single leg hip thrusts, single leg RDLs uh, can all be really, really good beneficial exercises. And then adding in isometrics as well. So isometrics is going to be a massive one that you can add in. Um, literally, you don't need much equipment. You could do a majority on a chair. So isometrics, the likes of um, Copenhagen's, you can add in a lot of hip flexor isometrics too. You can even see even in terms of like trying to pre-fatigue muscles as well to get more out of it. One thing I'm doing with my clients at the moment with limited weight and equipment is pre-exhausting methods and pre-fatigue methods. So see holding isometrics such as wall sets before going into sets of squats or uh, Bulgarian split squats or holding isometrics. Like there's a lot of back lat isometrics that you can do with a towel and do it, performing them before doing even a light set or dumbbell rows if you only had 10 kilo each arm can make that exercise a lot more beneficial. So there's a tons of things that you can still bring up. So isometrics, single leg work, should be a staple in the program. Yeah, so as you guys sort of touched on there, you still want to be executing those main movements. So squat, hinge, push, pull. Um, you sort of touched on it there briefly, both of you as well, um, about how we can then overload exercises. So Dean, you were talking about isometrics. Matty, you touched on, on time under tension. So just, um, obviously, once people have decided their, their exercises, what are all the methods then we can overload those with? We'll, just, we'll go through them all just right from the start, even if they've been mentioned already, just so people can take a wee mental note as they go along. Yeah, so think about the variables that you overload, whether you're in the gym or not, and you can control a lot of things, whether it be the weight that you use, because some people still do have access to some sort of weight. So you can overload the weight if you do have access to that. You can overload the repetitions that you perform with the volume, as well as the sets that you're doing. On top of that, you can overload the amount of tempo and the time under tension that the muscles then placed under. And that can be from, like Dean said, isometric work or tempo work, eccentric work as well. Anything that increases the duration of a set or the exercise repetition. And on top of that, obviously, you can increase the amount of days that you are training um, or performing a certain lift. So say, for example, this time period is maybe something that a lot of part of this should focus on bringing up their weaknesses like we talked about between you know the imbalance right and left. So the majority of the program could be a lot of single leg stuff compared to what they maybe were used to when they were in comp season almost where they were just specifically squat bands and deadlifting with a few single leg exercises there as well 
So that's the main things from, well, what I'm doing with my clients at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Uh, as Matt touched on, probably the main things you can increase is going to be volume of time, frequency, the amount of seconds they've got. But one thing that you can always do, and this is just generally all time, is uh, other than frequency, is intent um, with how you're actually performing these exercises. So a lot of my exercises with my clients at the moment is going to failure just so they're getting a lot more out of this a certain exercise. There's no point in just going to, you know, three sets of 20 reps on something and it still ends up only being an RPFA. So going to failure is going to be a lot beneficial and there's different ways that you can actually overload that and different ways you can do it. You know, I, I have clients working out with fucking car wheels, drums of oil, you know, there's, you can literally do anything to overload, whether it's a wall set, no matter what it is. So just increasing intent in terms of your actual mindset towards it. Like, like Matt says, if you're giving yourself an extra set, an extra rep or a few reps, um, I, at the minute, what I mean doing with some clients is giving them timed sets. So instead of certain amount of reps, they're going to failure, you know, three sets of 60 seconds. And then the progression for that will be three sets of 90 seconds, four sets of 120 seconds. And it's just really, really good way of easily progressing an exercise as opposed to trying to stick with a certain, like it's, it's hard to stick with a certain intensity or RP, especially whenever the weights are so light, because, you know, it's hard enough to call that when you have heavy weight in your back. It's definitely going to be very hard to call if you're doing over 15 or 20 reps so and uh, there's a lot of different ways you can mess around with but that would be the main ways i would say too just then the thing i was just elaborate a little bit you, you were talking about intent there at the end of the day part of them um it's about producing as much force as possible to get that bar moving <laughs> as quick as possible so another way you can progress is to actually just do things with more intent more explosiveness as well so even probably earlier in your session um, before you maybe get into more time under tension, high volume work, when you're down doing lower rep work, um, things like spot jumps or broad jumps where the aim is literally putting as much force through the floor to get yourself to jump as high as possible. There are things you can add in and the more speed, just increasing the speed of those each week and the height is a simple way to progress. Um, another one is range of movement. So say you are doing things like a Bulgarian split squat or rear foot elevated split squat, um, just by actually elevating the front foot as well, so you can increase the range of movement, that's going to be a progression. So if you don't have any equipment, um, and say you're starting three sets, of six reps a side or something, you progress that each week up to 8, 10, 12 per side, and then you loop back, just increase the range of mo movement then, and then maybe start back down in three sets, six again, and, and increase. And then the final one is actually with the exercise selection itself. So we'll, we've touched a lot on um, that now is a really good time to work on single leg stuff because you can address balances, um, but also just it increases the difficulty of movements. And, you know, if you can't do a full pistol squat and you spend the next whatever time we've left in lockdown working towards a full pistol squat, you will get plenty of strength work in those legs. And I can start from simply... Uh, going down on one leg, coming up on two legs, or single leg squat to a chair and then standing back up, and then grassy maybe hand supported, just leaning on, holding something for balance and doing a pistol squat, and then finally pistol squats. You know, just in the, the actual exercise selection as well, you can um, get some overload. Yeah, there's a couple of points that you made there, Miguel, that are really, really good, man, and it sort of made me think about a few other things. If we think about like, as part of them, what's the best way to judge how strong, you know, your legs and whole body is, do a deadlift or do a squat. So what's the best way in order to judge how your single leg strength is, do a pistol squat and improve upon it and use that as a measure of progress. 
And that'll motivate most people to actually go, Jesus, you know, I'm actually getting stronger in this compared to what I was at the start. And like we said about it, like objective training, you then know if you can do a full pistol squat or not based on the progressions that you've then did over the weeks in order to bring you there. And on top of the other thing that you were saying about sort of what Dean was saying, you were saying about the intent, the reps, I call it Addy Hall reps. So when Addy Hall goes into the gym, he's like one of the world's strongest men. He obviously lifts all the weights within the racks, whether it be like a cable machine or whatever it may be. And, you know, he can't load any more weight on it. He gets people to stand on it. But what he says is the intent there in order to pretend that he's lifting so much more than what he's lifting and being explosive with the movement and making sure that you're recruiting as much muscle fibers doing so. So if you watch his YouTube videos, I remember seeing him in the gym doing like a, I think it was like a low row with the cable. And he stacked it out and he must have done about 25 reps. But the intent of what he was doing, how explosive he was, Obviously, it shows that the world-class athletes like him. This is sort of like filtered down to us. We don't have a lot of weight, but the intent should be there and the explosiveness in order to still, you know, use and recruit the muscles that we need to. Yeah, definitely. And another actual weak thing there as well, I actually touched on this. I talked about this a few months ago. Um, and I seen a good, put a good post up on it. It's like, even before lockdown, I remember saying, like, it's the stuff that you don't see in a powerlifting program that, you should see in a powerlifting program and it is starting to become more apparent um, as time goes on and, you know, more studies are done and more quality coaches are produced, you know, and it's not just all old school. Um, it's the likes that single leg work, that stability work, the, you know, the movement quality work, you know, all that tip stuff that should be in a powerlifting program anyway. Generally speaking, they're the stuff, you know, and even us, we would say, who would, wouldn't have wanted to sacrifice a month or two of training to try and bring this up whenever the end goes competition. So now this is literally giving you a clear chance to focus on the stuff that matters. And then obviously it's not just stopping it when it's all over. It's, it's keeping it carrying over into your next program, such as the movement quality stuff. Like, like as you were talking about, like imbalances and stuff, a lot of imbalances, I would say 90% imbalances actually, or plus come from just shitty movement. So like, like a poor squat, like or a poor deadlift. Like we know, you know, I know the prime mover in a squat's going to be your quads. We know they work well when your knee has a lot of flexion. So if someone's movement quality is shite on a heavy low bar squat, just previous to this, you know, this has given you the chance to kind of iron out all these little um, weaknesses and imbalances through single leg work and just generally care more about movement and then carry it on into the next, not even the next phase, but just in general, always carrying that on. Yeah, then also we've talked a lot about exercise selection there and then how you can actually overload um, a lot of those. Um, the other thing we touched on about what we can do, we've talked about weaknesses, we mentioned work capacity. Um, what have you got your clients doing in terms of, I know Matt, you said that you've just through increased reps and, and volume and sets and time sets and stuff, that they're getting more work capacity, but have you added any like specific conditioning work into your clients' programs to work yeah. on capacity element? Probably about 30% of my overall program at the moment for even part of there's is conditioning work. So it's a lot of circuit type fast. It's a lot of that build up with that metabolic stress, a lot of blood sort of flow to the muscles, short rest times, trying to do a lot of exercises back to back in order to increase their work capacity. And also what happens as a result of that, their heart rate's elevated, they're burning more calories. Then as a result of that, they're going to lose more weight as long as they stick to a good diet that we'll talk about in a little second. Yeah. And like a big part of powerlifting, actually the biggest part, like the thing that dictates how you train, what you train is your recovery. And that should be the first thing that comes into it. Before even making a program, the first thing you look at is what does my recovery allow me to train? Um, so, you know, increased work capacity, increased general fitness um, is going to help with your recovery between sessions, between exercises, um, between sets. 
you know, you're going to be able to recover a lot quicker and perform a lot better. So as I was talking about in mine, there is a shit ton of ways to increase work capacity. It's just, it's just giving yourself more work in a single session. So whether it's more sets, exercise reps, but what I started to do, and it's pretty new to myself, is something I've been doing even just for a few weeks before. Lockdown has given people timed sets on a few number of accessories. And it's a good way of just, um, and an easy way of overloading. So, you know, three sets of 60 seconds, three sets of 90, three sets of 120 seconds, obviously on specific exercises that can handle um, that amount of stress. Like, you know, prime exercise that I'm using it on is a lot of delt work, um, single leg split squat work, um, glute bridges and stuff got there. Uh, it's just a really good way of getting a lot of reps in in a short space of time. And then other than that, as Matthew was talking about, like uh, when it comes to what we can actually achieve and what we can't actually achieve, metabolic stress is going to be the probably the most prime but the easiest thing that we can achieve with whether it's little uh, to no equipment as you just need to, again, as Paul was talking about and stuff, you just need good intent, good exercise selection and just get the work in and you're going to be able to achieve that as opposed to any other certain variables that need more weight um, on the bar and certain uh, environment and machines. Just going to touch on a, on a wee point you raised there just before. I was going to say something about work capacity, but just when you're on it, you said about um, metabolic stress. So for anyone listening, there's three major physiological components that actually help you increase your muscle or maintain your muscle mass, and those are metabolic stress, as Dean mentioned, mechanical tension, and tissue damage. Now, because we don't have access to the really heavy weights, mechanical tension is probably the hardest one to create enough of there to stimulate muscle growth. But you can still utilize metabolic stress, as Dean talked about, and tissue damage as a way of maintaining or even building um, muscle mass when you're in lockdown. So um, metabolic stress can literally come from, it's probably the component of, of variety even, um, doing things you haven't done before is, is metabolic stress. So if you go out and start sprinting and turning and stuff that is metabolic stress for your body it'll also more likely create some tissue damage and a lot of those things we talked about in the progressive overload part are, are mainly aimed at those hitting those two sort of because we can't increase the load we, it's hard to increase the mechanical tension but we can increase the amount of tissue damage and the amount of metabolic stress so just to, just to link that in with what dean said there and um, for anyone listening just going back to the work capacity then, I think it's a really good opportunity, um, especially as you have to think of the mental health side of things as well. It's a really good opportunity to just do some low intensity, steady cardio too. Get out on the bike, go for a one, a run or a sort of a hike or a brisk walk um, and just do general things like that as well, getting outside and doing a wee bit. Um, have you been doing any of that yourselves? Anyone nominated for the 5K yet? Yeah, man, I already did the five. Yeah, like I ran down to the shop and then did farmers walks and went back to the so it was sort of like a, a hybrid five k. So uh, I got that done. Like I think I nominated. I think I nominated Dean. I don't know. Like, he did. He did. You did. did. did <laughs> Dean do that. Like, did you, do you know what a five k is? Oh, I yeah, yeah, I know what this five thousand calories a day when I was in part of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a handstand challenge in front of us, even though I've been nominated. I done that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Scapula, just watch. You see when you do that, do a good warm up. I did it near rack my fucking shoulder blade. Mad stuff. Like there was a different the same day. But yeah, McGee, what you're saying about running and stuff like that. I've been doing running <laughs> plants have been doing running. It's good to try different things, you know, just like we're saying for your mental health. And you know, if you're not a big fan of the cardio, 
just figure out a way to get it done somehow. Like, you know, listen to podcasts, listen to music. Like I did yesterday, I rang Dean because I couldn't be bothered going out for a walk, but I just rang him and talked the ear off him. I'm actually surprised he's still got an ear left after this. It's just because it's just to get it done and to figure out a way to do it, you know? But definitely trying different things is what this is all about, this lockdown period. Like, Yeah, definitely. And as you said, like, we're not as specific to powerlifting right now, so we don't really have to worry exactly how much cardio we're doing, how much this we're doing is going to interrupt, you know, recovery and stuff. Like, generally speaking, we're going to be able to recover from our sessions that we're performing at the moment a lot easier than we could recover from our heavy uh, powerlifting sessions. And I remember I was looking up and researching a lot of uh, 3DMJ, 3D muscle journey stuff there a good few months ago, and I seen a section talking about cardio and I had intellectual powerlifting, and it was actually a a write a writing up by uh, Greg Knuckles, and he's talking about the adaptations through different forms of cardio and how they interrupt different forms of like your main sport. So our main sport, um, powerlifting, obviously very explosive work so the adaptations you'd get from low intensity steady state so longer duration cardio that lasts you know 45 minutes an hour an hour and a half and it's just low intensity it goes against the adaptations that you can actually achieve from a heavy powerlifting session so it was kind of like you know for a powerlifter obviously you don't want to be doing too much cardio anyway at the same time but the cardio that you could choose probably be high intensity as the adaptations are more so centered towards strength and the stuff that you're actually trying to achieve with your main sport so now is the perfect time, as you said, like get away and focus on different things, like shift your mindset. Um, a lot of my clients at the moment are taking up daily step goals and trying to achieve a certain step goal, whether or not they were used to it before because they're part of theirs. Um, but it's just a really good way of, number one, getting out of the house. Number two, working on general fitness, improving recovery and stuff. And it's all stuff like it's not, it's not stuff that you're just doing now. It's going to waste your time. It's stuff that is going to carry on into the um after lockdown and that there comes linked in again with the stuff that I said. The stuff you don't see in a part of the program should be the stuff you do see. So you know, adding in cardio, obviously to a certain degree and ensuring you can recover from it. But adding in cardio is definitely a wise choice. We uh, talked about then and uh, one of the things we can concentrate on is improving body composition during this time. So obviously powerlifting um it's a weight class based sport. And obviously the person in the weight class who has the most muscle is putting themselves in one of the potentially best chances to win. Obviously, it's not as simple as that. But we're talking about body composition, so on the nutrition side of things, um, what do people need to be concentrating on to improve their body composition? Well, like, the first thing is to figure out, you know, what we talked about earlier on, was about the goal setting. So figure out, right, are you a part of there who needs to increase more muscle? Well, everybody does, to be fair, but more than, more than others drop body fat or maintain your composition roughly. So you need to figure out what you're trying to do. You're trying to drop body fat, add muscle or maintain. Once you know that, which most people probably will be listening to this, probably because of boredom eating and everything else, will probably just need to drop a little bit of body fat because it put on a little bit during this lockdown. So it's figuring out a calorie goal, first of all, based on what you're actually expending. So if you're expending every day, 2,000 calories and eating, 2,000 calories, there's, no, there's going to be no... Uh, change in weight but if you're expanding each day three exercise home workouts whatever it may be three thousand and you're intaking two and a half you're going to be losing about a pound per week so it's figuring out your goal then figuring out your calorie intake from that and then i'm sure dean will touch on the macros yeah so obviously calories is king and the most important thing is going to dictate your body composition so if you're not track you know you have to be in it to win it if you're not knowing what you're taking in versus what you're actually putting out if you're not measuring these things you can't really turn around and say, why am I not making this progress? But that's obviously just 
a certain percentage of it. The big thing comes down to obviously your macronutrient breakdown too. So obviously the king protein, you want to ensure that your protein is high. And um, you're talking like what I use with my clients is just a gram per pound of body weight, 0 0.8 to 1.2 grams of protein per pound of body weight. And um, if you're more overweight, you could probably go to the 0 0.8. If you're more lean, a lot more muscle mass, you could maybe go to the 1.2 grams per pound. Uh, and trying to keep that consistent. Uh, that's going to help us retain our muscle and obviously build new muscle as we talked about ways of actually doing that. The second thing, obviously, these uh, workouts that we're doing at the minute are very lactate-based, so are glycotic-based. So like carbohydrates are going to be more of an emphasis. Uh, obviously, there were a previous just for general training performance, but now that our reps are so high and our, uh, we're chasing a lot of metabolic stress and stuff like that there, you want to have the energy to fuel these sessions. So keeping your carbohydrates high, um, especially pre-workout, before any of our workouts will increase your performance because these are such new workouts to us and they can really take its total on us, especially in the first one to two weeks. We're not used to that. Um, that'd be the main things that I would say in terms of macronutrient breakdown. Yeah, I think people sort of worry that they're going to lose gains whenever they sort of step away from the heavy weights for a bit. But um, I think even like if you're involved and if you want to know anything about muscle building or maintenance, you know, one of the people that follows uh, Brad Schoenfeld or Schoenfeld, um, he's probably sort of at the forefront of, of uh, studies in the, in the muscle building. Um, I think one of his most recent ones, I've got it somewhere saved, the, the abstract on my Instagram, he sort of showed that um, the big thing was that people thought, you know, you can't really build muscle in a calorie deficit. But he's sort of shown that if you are training, um, you keep the protein high enough, provided you've got something to work with, you can sort of, uh, body recomp as such um, it's not turning fat to muscle but it is basically burning some fat and building some muscle at the same time obviously we don't have maybe the uh, same stimulus in place with regards to the weight for that but it would go a long way to just maintaining what muscle you have and burning some fat if you can just make sure you're absolutely nailing that, that protein intake um, as you guys said like sort of in around a pound per Per, um, or sorry, a gram per pound of body weight. Um, and that actually becomes more important if you're looking, people sort of think of protein in, in terms of when you're trying to build muscle, but when you're actually trying to lose fat, that becomes even more important because you're in that deficit. You want to maintain that high level of protein to keep that protein synthesis going. Um, so that's also touched on nutrition now too. Um, we don't know how long this is going to last. Okay, the lockdown talking about some sort of steps to ease measures soon but obviously a big thing is going to be people coming back to the gym and everyone is going to be so enthusiastic and so keen uh, what are the potential pitfalls of that and what the people need to concentrate on when they start back to the gym well definitely like making sure that they take it slower than what they even think because look if you've came off a previous injury before and you've came back to the gym, you've realized that like, you know, your body needs that time to get stronger again. Not necessarily as people, you know, coming from an injury here, but it, it's more like that detraining aspect of the specificity towards high intensity lifting when it comes to the weight. So people have to understand that to go back into the gym and lift anywhere near where they were lifting before, unless they've been consistently lifting like that with, you know, home workout gyms and stuff like that there needs to be a period of time that is almost like a, a reload um, or what McGee you sort of say, like a bridge sort of program where people are then able to transition back into normal general training again. 
where the intensity may be around, say, 80, 85, 90% of the training. But that might be over the series of around two to four to eight weeks, even for some people, depending on how strong they actually are to begin with. Yeah, definitely. And I think, like, I was talking a lot about there yesterday on Instagram as well. Like, uh, a lot of people are fearing this day training, and it's probably overreacted too in terms of how much people are overreacting, how much they're going to lose. When in reality, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to lose that much strength. Like, I, well, technically, consideration that this is only going to be eight weeks. Again, we're completely clueless right now. Um, but even then, you know, a few months, you're not going to lose absolutely everything. Like, you know, so it's getting that into your head first and foremost. So the first thing that you're probably going to lose is skill, um, the skill of your lifts, uh, whether it's like actual internal psycho- psychology in terms of like your cues, knowing how to perform these lifts, and obviously just that, like. Um, your allotations to the lift as well so I think the main thing is like easing yourself back into training as Matthew said there uh, one thing that I touched on as well is like so MED and MRV they stand for uh, minimum effective dose which is like the minimum effective dose that you need to progress and then MRV is like your maximum recoverable volume that just means the maximum amount of volume you can recover from as an individual um, and the biggest part of understanding these things is like they're not a fixed skill the change on a weekly basis uh, for most people anyway depending on like their training training age their stress and a lot of other variables so you got to know that when you get back to training under the barbell you're not going to need as much as you did in your previous mod strength weeks to progress you know people think they need to get back up to where they were to, to progress again you know you're going to need a lot less volume than that per week to get yourself back up to where you were so starting off with probably 60 to 65 percent of your your max uh, give or take you know, maybe focusing on movement quality for the first few while, throwing in some doubles, triples for a matter of four to six weeks can help build your work capacity back up. Get yourself used to that barbell, that heavy bar being on your back. And then like Matt said there, you know, it's only a matter of two to three months at a max for you to get back to where you were, especially if you were only in your first two to three years of powerlifting. You know, it'll definitely not take that long to get back up to where you were. So it's just more so telling yourself you're not going to progress that much. You generally aren't. Um, and just being smart about it when you get back under the bar and don't be smashing PBs in your first week back to training. Yeah, the big thing is there is like the potential for injury. So if you do rush into it too quickly, you can find that the muscle is just not used to that load because it's had months off. So you need to just make sure that you build it up slowly. And even the first week, you know, go in intuitively and just sort of go through the movements and maybe don't even worry about lifting too heavy at all, like anything even over who cares, 40, 50%, don't even go over that. Just focus on, like Dean said there, the movement quality and try to get that sort of, the skill base built back up. Even if, say your squat's 200 kg, stick 60 kg in the bar and do three sets of eight, just to get used to the squatting with the bar on your back. Do that for some of your movements across the week and use the week as almost like a, a week that just gets your momentum starting to build back up again, gets some muscle used to what it's doing, gets you psychologically primed and gives your body that chance to be like right this is what we're doing now then we're going to overload from here yeah the skill element's a big part of it um like if we've ever went from doing high bar to low bar and then went back to high bar like sometimes it feels like forget how to high bar squat or likewise if you've done a long phase of low bar squat and then you come off a comp and then you go into like safety bar squat it just feels so strange and you almost feel like wobbly on your feet so it is not that skill element back. Um, as you guys said, it's all about slowly building up the load. Um, one way you can do that is instead of having specific sets and reps, um, have the total reps you want to do at a certain percentage load 
and then just break it into smaller manageable sets and then set a set rest period. So say you want to do 24 reps at 60%, normally that might be something like three sets of eight. Instead, break it down into sets of three to six and just do more sets with a short rest and just gradually build it up so you're not completely overloading yourself in that first week. You're going to sort of almost get those like in a newbie gains again. Yeah. You're back that sort of stage. You're going to have serious muscle soreness, even if it's a matter of putting 60 kilo on the bar, as you said, Matt. You're going to have serious muscle soreness. You, you don't need to be doing really hard sets to get a big training stimulus out of, as Dean said, the minimum effective dose. That's what you're going to be hitting in week one and over a period of sort of 48 weeks, building that up towards that maximum recoverable volume. Um, anything else to add that in terms of transitioning back? I would say, like, in case people aren't aware of exactly, like, like again, like knowing skill, knowing what it is, like how to maintain it, how to, like a good basis guideline is like if you haven't been able to train with 60 to 65% of your one rep max or your old one rep max um, over the course of this, then that is probably going to be the first thing that's reduced on you. Just so you listeners out there in case you're actually wondering, like, you know, I'm doing bodyweight squats at the house. Is that not my skill? Because I'm doing that movement pattern or like I'm doing press ups, that's not the same as bench press. It's more like the skill is being not only taking yourself through the movement pattern but taking yourself through the same amount of intensity weight and the adaptations neural effects that you were getting before so if you haven't been able to train 60 65 percent that's probably going to be the first thing that you want to take into consideration that you're going to be regressed in terms of skill how things feel it's going to feel foreign as hell you're going to feel very unstable and it's just make being nice and safe that in terms of how you're getting back in under the bar and training and um, so having a plan of action first and foremost like don't just get back under the bar and when it like actually scope out a plan of action for yourself and write up, you know, your mesocycle, your next block, um, a few microcycles, just whatever it may be to get yourself back up and running and make sure that you actually have an outcome and then go make sure it all actually adds up and makes sense. Like the one massive thing part of it is like one week leads into the other, the next week leads into the other. Um, so get a structured plan up that's going to actually give you the outcome you want of getting back up to where you want to be. So map it out, draw it out before you even start your week one and ensure that like the plan is there and it's ready to be used instead of just winging it and uh, gradually adding two kilo a week have something in place yeah when you add a bar people maybe think um, but I'm doing body weight squats and keeping that movement pattern going as soon as you add a bar your body and the bar is one system as such one object you completely change the centre centre of mass or the centre of gravity once you put a barbell on your back so that's why it's so important to take it slow to sort of re almost relearn those movements again with the different weight on your back every time you're adding weight, you are changing that center of mass as such. Um, we'll maybe do a wee summary then just for everyone. Um, going right back to the start, really, I suppose the number one thing people need to keep in mind is it, a lot of this is just a, a mindset shift. So focusing on what can be done rather than what you're missing out on. Um, I think we mentioned then that is working on weaknesses, working on body composition, and then working on work capacity. Um, we also then talked about exercise selection, you know, start incorporating a lot of single leg work. Um, that's going to be all in terms of difficulty point of view, but also working on weaknesses. Um, in terms of progressive overload, then we touched on touched on a lot there. We touched on if you have the means to do it, obviously increase the load. But if not, you can increase the reps, the sets, more time under tension through tempo work, slow eccentrics, isometrics, which are just pauses. Um, more frequency, so just training more often, increased range of movement, 
increased speed, intent, and then obviously then just a progression as well is if you're doing the same sets and reps but it feels easier, you've also progressed. Um, terms then we went on to nutrition. So just recap um, on the macros for people, just for anyone who maybe missed it first time around. We want to hit exactly what amount of protein? So say, say right, you weigh 200 pounds. So 200 pounds is around, say, 14 stone, okay? So say 200 pounds of what you weigh. You're trying to aim for, like Dean said, anywhere from the low threshold of that, 0.8 um, grams of protein. The 1.2 grams of protein per pound of body weight. So say for example, 0.8 times 200 is 160 grams of protein. That's your very minimum if you want to go towards that. And that may be suited, like Dean says, more towards if your body composition is a little bit higher in body fat percentage, or if you're going more towards the higher scale of that, it's 1.2 grams per uh, pound of body weight, which equals around 240 grams of protein. Now that's the most extreme end, but that's considering if you're very lean and you want to really focus on maintaining as much muscle mass if you are in a diet phase. And then simply the carbohydrates and fats follow into that. But the first thing is knowing, first of all, what your calorie target is, figuring out your protein, first of all, like we just talked about, and then carbohydrates and fats, you can sort of um, play about with them depending on what sort of foods you like to eat how much your intensity of training is required at the moment and just fits in line with your calorie target. And then I suppose the last thing we touched on then was on the return to the gym then. So Dean, you touched a lot on just relearning the skill first and basically taking it slow. Yeah, generally speaking, like the first thing you're going to lose is going to be skill. Um, you might lose as much actual strength, you're, you know, muscle mass, you're not going to lose much if you actually got a plan in place over this period of time. As Paul was saying, it's, it's it's easy to maintain what you have. There's a lot of studies out there showing it. Um, but skill is going to be the first thing that you lose. And obviously, just trying to get used to that barbell being on your back when you're in the gym is going to be probably your biggest challenge. A lot of things are going to be, feel very foreign to you. It's going to feel very difficult on your back. Um, psychologically, it might put you off and stuff. But the biggest thing is just understand that this, in in the long term, in the, in the grand scheme of things, like this is just a teeny wee blip, whether it's just a few wee months, like, you know, no matter what, 2022, you're going to be lifting heavy. You know, 2023, you're going to be lifting heavy. It's just a little blip in the grand scheme of things. So, um, number one, getting a plan in place, um, getting a program in place, getting a block of training in place, suited to yourself, ensuring that the outcomes of that is based on skill, building up the work capacity with a barbell on your back, and the neural adaptations through slowly adding weight to bar. Get that in place, and you can't really go wrong when returning to the gym. And just stay patient. and know that everyone is on the same boat, no matter what, not just you. Yeah. Um... People, plenty of people probably uh, bored in the house. What have you been watching on Netflix? <laughs> George, hey, Alex, you all yeah, mate, Tiger King. So, like, we talked about this the other day. If you haven't seen Tiger King and, you know, you're coming to this lockdown and I'm asking you about it, I'm going to be very disappointed if we're not able to say Carl and Baskin. I don't think. <laughs> is there anyone who has not seen Tiger King at this stage? My parents. But I'm trying to harp on them constantly to watch it. Well, you know, what do you do? Anyone under the age of 40 that hasn't seen Tiger King? I know, boy. Anyone seen it? Any, yeah. any hidden gems on um, Netflix or any other? Well, uh, three three things I've been watching, not recently, but like, well, over the last few months there, like, and again, like, they're probably like, on oh, no-brainers, I've already watched that. The newest one is probably Money Heist, I told you about. Money Heist, class, like, like it is a Spanish uh, series right but it's one of them ones where it's you know it's voiced over in english and but it's not like 
oh, you can tell their mouth's moving at a different pace to the, the words coming out that just cuts you off completely. You really don't notice it. Like, and I swear to God, the, the main actor is like Alvaro Mort, Morte or something, whatever you call him. Oh, I, I love Alvaro Morte. I am literally like, like, I swear to God, he's slowly become one of my just most favourite like actors and performances just from that series. And that's crazy to say. So Money Heist is a good one. Uh, the other things I've watched, I oh, literally only started two days ago, is Gotham. Probably, you've probably already watched that. I've never watched it before. But uh, I'm enjoying that. And then the the wee saga of uh, I went through them in a day just in case you want to watch the wee saga movies is uh, the whole like the White House down Olympus has fallen type oh, stuff yeah yeah, oh. yeah they, they're pretty good like anything else about podcasts you've been listening to any podcasts nah man I focus, focus on podcasts well focus on good. apart from this one like Dara and you Grimesy but I've been listening to Audible which is actually a good thing to do like you know if you haven't heard of Audible Probably most people have. It's just basically audiobooks that you can listen to when you're out walking or doing anything. Like, and that's what I've been sort of racking up. I've had a lot of credits to you, so basically, I've got a few of them downloaded. Um, whether it be business related or whether it be um sort of training related, like, but that sort of helps pass the time when I'm out for runs or walks. Yeah, good podcast I've been listening to, and I got in the last few months. And I already have a good load of episodes on. Is the, the Strength Athlete podcast? Uh, strength athlete TSA, they're an organization, um, just like the guys in Coast by the Strength Guys in America, and they host a podcast and have a lot of good hosts on it and really specific to powerlifting. So, whether it's training, nutrition, powerlifting, skill work, the ins and outs of meat day, whatever it may be, they have a lot of good guests on it. So, the, the Strength Athlete podcast is a very good one. I've been listening to, well, I always listen to um, in terms of powerlifting stuff, uh, Peak Speak, as two Aussie guys do it. Uh, it's pretty good if you're into powerlifting, and then like my true crime ones, my conspiracy theory ones, but then the one people listening to this might be interested in the story listening to was Ben Bergeron's one. Um, he's like a CrossFit coach, but a lot of his podcast stuff is on the mindset and sort of lifestyle and habits more so than actual training. So he, I think the latest episode was actually um, 10 habits to adopt during lockdown. Um, mm. some, some really good ones. And he actually talks about it in terms of like if you're, doing podcasts, you're doing Zoom classes or whatever, anything like that, you know, big thing I took away from it, he says, done is better than trying to get it perfect. Mm. So instead of sort of aiming for perfection and putting stuff off or, you know, just procrastinating because it's just not quite right, he says, getting something done is the most important important thing. And then his other stuff as well, there's a lot of stuff about um, even like nutrition during lockdown, not so much like going into macros and calories, but going into like, you know, how you should stock your cupboards and just we habits you should do or avoid. Um, so it's a good one. Ben Bergeron, Chasing Excellence. Okay. Where do you study up now for this quiz tonight? I am. Um, yeah, I'm going to get here. need to go and look at the 40 muscles that's used in an exercise bike and get them mimed off. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Need to go and revise what transverse and longitudinal planes of motion are. Oh, do you remember that man? We planes of motion. Us lifters only live in the sagittal plane. Oh, okay. <laughs> anything I'd say that's where injuries come. Hmm. Hey, well, that was that was good podcast, guys. Hopefully, plenty of information wow. for, for <clears throat> go off. If you want any more information, obviously follow the guys on Instagram. And um, if you hit me up on Instagram as well, uh, Focus Strength Coach Paul, I've actually got an ebook, free ebook that sort of has a lot of this information uh, collated on it, just sort of explaining 
what you can be doing on lockdown to sort of sample program at the end of it. Anything you just want to let people know before we go then? Yeah, just uh, basically watch Tiger King. Tiger King. <laughs> and real bike. Aye, and uh, just in case anyone knows, you can get a you can get a baby tiger for cheaper than the average dog now. You know, they're talking about fifteen hundred pound. So if you're looking something exciting during lockdown, you can get a baby tiger. Yeah, yeah last for um, uh, for uh, Ricky's Ricky was looking at the ideas for the best part of him comp ever. Just have a couple of tigers. Yeah, exactly. From the, from the that's true. That's true. Very true. Thanks, thanks very much for coming on and doing that. Um, uh, um Never know if people sort of if there's good feedback, maybe get a few questions and answers session maybe with people as well then. Yeah, be good. yeah. Sounds good to me. Like that would be good. Instagrams for part of them questions and then we'll do a wee Q and A part of them one soon. Yeah, yeah for sure. Have us all, bro. Right. See you later. Quiz. Cheers, thank you.